Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Good morning, Glenn. How you doing? Mikey, what's up, brother? How you doing, Chief? You know, doing good. Doing good. For all things considered, uh, you know, living the dream, as I like to say. I'm not. My uh, cup of coffee's been sitting here a couple minutes, and it's starting to get a little cold. I need a refresh. Well, we'll call the barista over. I know. I wonder how Brian's doing. Do you remember gas stations used to have... uh, service guys like they come out and fill your gas for you clean the windows i am old enough to remember that mike yeah so certainly we long get time ago to bring us bring us a coffee i know that's awesome that's awesome so what's going on what what are we tackling today yeah hey guess what we got a table for three today oh man i love table for threes love it yeah well i'm i'm actually a little more super excited we're we're gonna cut down on the intros and Later on, we'll make everybody go back to the website and find out all our emails and and all the uh, social media and all contacts, all that kind of stuff. Because I want to get right into it today. We've got a. I'm so excited to have look our at guest you, Mister Focus. Today, I know, you. I know. Well, that's because I didn't sleep for the last <clears throat> week because I read a spell, uh, a page turning book, and it would nice. and it didn't it like it didn't take a break. It wasn't like after chapter three. You know, okay, let's take a little breakdown. No, they just went right into the next thing. And I'm like, oh, man, you're killing me. So some sleepless nights, but uh, I ran out of ink in my pen with a lot of underlines. So, yeah, we've got got another in our author series uh, today. We are joined by Veronica Valley, and we are so super excited to have Veronica with us. She is the author of Soberful. Uncover a sustainable, fulfilling life free of alcohol. Veronica, welcome. Hey, welcome, Veronica. Thank you. It's great to be here with you two. Yeah, we really, we really appreciate uh, you being here today. As I said, I, I read the book. Unfortunately, and maybe we can, you know, we'll talk to our studio guy here. Maybe we can expand this to like, I don't know, a 10-hour interview, right? <laughs> um, but we're going to try and cram in hey, a Mike, lot. Of, hey, hey yeah. Mikey, why don't, you, yeah. why don't you just read the book out loud? Uh, yeah, right. There you go. An audio book. just do an audio book. Yeah, it's, right. a, it's on that's Audible, right. so you, I'm reading it on Audible. Oh, oh that's excellent. awesome. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, just a great read. Um but uh, before we kick off, there, there are so many different elements of the relationship with Veronica I'd like to bring to the table because uh, she did author this uh, book that we're going to talk about today. Uh, also has, uh, uh, I signed up for the email months ago and uh, I get inspirational messaging um, pointed, pointed to direction of, uh, of just a better way to live. And uh, so great social media presence, a podcast. Uh, that she hosts with uh, Chip, I think, and uh, good stuff there. So, multi. She she's a brand. She's not <laughs> just brawn. She's a brand. Not just a book, huh? Not just a book. She's so much deeper than that. And so, That's great. Anyway, Veronica, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal some th- sun thunder. I'm gonna say 
my first thing first, and then and then I'm gonna let I'm gonna shut up and let our listeners hear from you. But um, I found the greatest gem in the back of the book. Uh, it was just in the closing pages, and it says, and I quote: "This book was never about trying to persuade you to stop drinking. It was about facilitating your awakening." to what is possible if you change your relationship with alcohol and introduce simple practices to make sobriety sustainable for you. That summarized my experience with the book. And I'm so glad you wrote that, that sentence in there because that, that, that was it. So, so is that why you wrote the book? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, we can't, persuade people to stop drinking and we can't tell them that alcohol is bad for them. I, I think this sober curious kind of movement is gonna peak soon. Like I think it's really like, I, I mean, kind of really break into the public's consciousness on a much bigger level. And and we know, like, I, I'm assuming you got into sobriety the same way that I did in that there was just no freaking other choice, you know? And, and it, we, it didn't feel like a very good choice back then it felt like the worst choice ever but then subsequently we discover that it's completely opposite to everything that we think it is that it's the doorway into this incredible life and it's not just the not drinking it's the personal development work that that then summoned me that that I couldn't just not drink it just wasn't enough that it was the personal growth that I had to engage in, which again, didn't particularly want to, but so glad I did because of the gifts, gifts that came from that. Yeah, that's so, uh, again, I read, I read that through the pages. There's, I, I love the one analogy. Well, for two things, first of all, in my community, I deal with a lot of, a lot of newcomers, a lot of people who are uh, at a really dark and desperate place. Mm -hmm. And your book talks to people who are in a dark and des desperate place. But more importantly, it talks to people before they get to that dark and desperate place, right? Because it talks about, it talks about the con that, that the alcohol companies are, mm -hmm. are selling us, the vision that isn't real, it isn't based in reality. And, and the book points you to lifestyle changes, self-awareness, all those great things, and, and has sits on five principles or pillars and, and 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 allowed me to say wow there's hope for somebody who doesn't have to get to where maybe I got to does that make sense yeah the, the big the big alcohol con you know it's it I was talking to someone the other day about how drinking is in the UK and how it is in America and I think abstinence from alcohol is a little bit more accepted in America than it is in the UK you still are people still look at you like you have two heads if you don't drink. I mean, they certainly did when mm. I stopped drinking in my, I was 27, so that's relatively quite young. And I mean, it, it was back in, you know, the early 2000s, people just looked at you like you were mad. Like, why would you possibly do that? And it's in, all sobriety is, in my opinion, it's two things. It's, we get sobriety by its consistency. It's consistently doing things that support our mental and emotional health. And that's what makes sobriety sustainable. Um, and, and which leads to a shift in perception. We just see everything differently. And it's incredible the, the devotion 
to alcohol abuse, like the devotion to it. I mean, we've we've normalized abnormal drinking. I mean, that's the first thing. It's like all the people, so many people think their drinking is in the scope of being normal, but it's not. It's it's abnormal drinking. Um, and and just the devotion to it. And, and that's what I did, and I'm sure you did as well, is I just thought I have to find a way to manage it. If I can just manage it, then um, then I'll reap all the benefits that everyone in my culture, it, you know, that our media that tells me that I'll get from it. And we only quit because we just can't figure out how to manage it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I, I love how you put that, you know, with the international slant, but, you know, I heard something recently that's really cool. I said, you know, I, we wish sobriety was promoted as sexy as the big liquor companies promote mm. drinking, you know, but, but I think that's starting to come around. I'm seeing it more and more with the sober yeah. curious and, mm. and, and I love the work you're doing in that space and, and we'll, we'll dig in that a little bit more, but, you know, where, where people that are in pain, right? Cause I'm on your Facebook group and I see a lot of sober curious, mm. but I also see a lot of pain, you know, mm. and, and that folks realize that there's a solution to that pain. Yeah. And, and that, that's really interesting. What I see a lot is, um, people keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Right. And, and, you know, I talk, I have workshop. Yeah. Well, it's, it's about this consistency thing. If, if you're looking for the, um, the, the magic pill, that's what it is. And, and what people do is they focus on the goal of not drinking. And I think nearly everyone achieves that, whether it's for a day or five days or five weeks or five months, everybody can achieve it, even if it's just for a few hours. The problem isn't stopping, the problem is staying stopped. And if you just focus on the goal, like I just want to stop drinking, but you don't change anything else. You you just continue to live your life the way you've lived it for the last few years. All that's going to do is get you what you've always got. So what I focus on and what my book is about is it's a strategy, it's a system, it's a program. We don't really focus so much on the not drinking, although that is obviously an important aspect. We focus on creating an internal change and in cre- creating an internal emotional change. And you're right, this isn't just a problem that's exclusive for people who abuse alcohol. You know, people are numbing their internal anguish in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, and and talk about inclusion. Uh, you know, I know that many a male, many a male partner of mine might say, Okay, what does what does a female know about my drinking problem? Um, I can tell you, having read the book, that uh, it speaks to it's inclusive. It speaks to men and women alike, and uh, you know, part of part of what the the book did for me was it, there's broken out. You call them journal prompts, I think, and mm. uh, and and they're little exercises to kind of get, bring you back to to what the what's really happening, right? And and uh, I found that to be enlightening because it, it's not a novel. It's it's a bit of a workbook, and uh, it's one that I intend to go back and redo again because I think each time I go through the exercise, I'm uncovering more about myself. 
Yeah, and that's the feedback I've got from it is that it, it, it's really useful for everybody, not just people with an alcohol problem. And I wanted to give people tools. That That's a big thing of what I do in my work is, you know, when I first got sober, people would say things to me like, um, you know, you need to have boundaries with your mother. And I'd be like, first of all, I didn't even know what that was and that I could have them with my mother blew my mind. But my next question was how, specifically how? So I, I'm very big on giving people very specific tools, like specifically, how do you do that? Right, and that, and that, that rang true. And, and uh, I, I think one of the things that I came to realize was that there, the, the pillars are just foundation blocks that you lay out in the book, they're foundation blocks, but you said something interesting a second ago, and that was the work that you do. And so I want to get back to the book, but because I'm going to recommend that everybody has the book as part of their toolkit. I mean, you know, give it a try, read it once. It'll take you a couple of days, or in my case, a night or two. Um, but but read the book and have that in your toolkit. But but you take you take this um, purpose. Uh, to a whole new level. Tell us a little bit about what you do outside the book. So, um, you know, when I got sober, I, I was always, I never knew what I wanted to do in my life ever. And um, I started training as an addictions therapist. Then I went back to the, I, I got sober in Key West in Florida. And then I went back to um, the UK and finished my training as a psychotherapist. And I worked in rehabs and I had a private practice there. And then when I married my husband, I, I married an American and moved back to America. Um, I didn't really know what to do because <laughs> um, my qualifications didn't transfer from the UK and I had children. And so I wrote a couple of books that I self-published that did really well. And then people would reach out to me and be like, can you help me? Like, I've read your book, it's exactly how I feel. And I, I was like, oh, mm, I don't know. So I just, it was very organic. I started a blog. I, I kind of messed around with social media. And then I saw lots of other people offering coaching services who were not qualified in any way or experienced. Um, they just saw the, the, the um, business opportunity. So I, uh, I then launched myself as a coach, and that's really what what I've done for the last few years is uh, coaching, which actually suits me so much more than psychotherapy. I loved being a psychotherapist, and I still have those skills and that background. But coaching is much more, I don't know, it suits my personality. It's much more direct, and it's very much for me about skill building. It's, it's about, I take people, one of the cornerstones that I think of sobriety that is the transformational work. If you want to do the transformational work that will change things beyond anything you can imagine. It's the resentment work. Mm. So the, the, what I do in my, uh, with my clients is I do a model that's based on rational emotive behavioral therapy, which is, it's, it's, it's similar, but different to what the 12 steps do the steps, step four. It's that transformational way of shifting your perception about something. And that for me was life-changing for me. And I see it mm -hmm. in the people that I work with as well, but it's a very specific skill. So, so paint a picture of me of what it's like um, to have you as a coach. What does the process look like? I understand that some of your training is done digitally, how much is done face-to-face. -face. What does the engagement look like? Um, well, usually I do small coaching groups. 
and I have like uh, I have a, a couple of other facilitators. Chip, my podcast co-host, does some, and I have another coach, Tamara, that does some great work as well. But it's really, you know, we do specific things. Like I have, like my mindset program is about all of that. It's a program for people really who've been in recovery and looking to go to the next level. I don't think people who come to me, they get a sense, like I don't stay on the surface. I'm not a surface like person. I go deep. And those are the people who are attracted to working with me, I think, because I, I like I, for, I've always said this as a therapist, like when I've worked with a therapist or coach, I can only work with someone who has gone to the bone because I went to the bone. Like I went to the deepest, darkest places because I had to, 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 to get the changes that I wanted in my life. So I, um, you know, my mindset program is, you know, we, we do all of this different mindset work about our subconscious programming and our limiting beliefs and the way the words that we use and um, how, you know, childhood patterns and all of that kind of stuff. I teach boundaries in nearly every program I do because just knowing, like, I, I used to be such a chronic people pleaser. I was so concerned about what you thought about me and whether you liked me or not. And um, I would burn up so much energy trying to get you to like me. And learning how to have boundaries is revolutionary. It will revolutionize your life and how you feel about yourself. And uh, it just has such a massive effect. So I teach that in nearly every program I do. So I do lots of different things. I have, you know, small coaching groups and I have my subscription group and uh, I have teaching webinars and all of that kind of stuff. I love that. It, it's, I love that. Uh, yeah, Mike, we're going to the bone. We're getting down yeah, I, there, digging know, in the dirt. Right? Well, digging you know, in the, the dirt. The book, the book uses a different word uh, in several places, and and it really resonated with me. And that is uh, vulnerability. How important vulnerability mm. is. And one of the things that you didn't write in the book, but was speaking to me as I read about vulnerability, is that I need to be vulnerable with myself too. And mm. and that was kind of an eye opener for me. Uh, reading the book, but vulnerability, and I think that's the beautiful thing of working with somebody else. You say it in your book, of course, uh, to to echo a, a million other people, you don't have to do this alone. And guess what? You're not alone because you've got podcasts and you've got um, uh, support group meetings probably locally that you could plug into. You've got co online coaching that you could plug into. You don't need to do this alone. And, and frankly, uh, in my journey, I was alone. I was a loner and I isolated. Mm. And so this concept of being vulnerable to somebody else was so foreign to me. But boy, once I learned it, it became just a, a weight off my shoulders because, because I, I found out that my vulnerability re attracted vulnerability and together to two broken people can heal better than anybody else. Well, Mikey, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I completely identify with what you say. And what you're saying is what your vulnerability attracted was realness. And it was the realness of the connection that fed you in a way that you didn't realize that you were, it's like, I never knew I needed that, but now I can't live without it. But that's what we're searching for, it's authenticity. I think that um, sobriety, um, Dr. Gabor Mate talks about uh, trauma is the root of all addiction, and people often misunderstand that. So kids that have been traumatized in various different ways, 
not all of them grow up to be addicts, but a lot, they all, everyone, single one of them grows up to usually find some kind of dysfunctional coping mechanism until they can get help. So you can see how emotional and mental and sexual trauma can be at the root of addiction. You can just see how wanting to numb those feelings. But I have a lot of clients who say, you know, I didn't experience any trauma. Like my parents were pretty good. You know, I had a pretty good childhood, all of that kind of stuff. So we have two primary human needs when we are infants. And one is for attachment, which we understand that, that children need uh, attachment to their significant caregivers to develop emotionally, not, not just survive, but develop emotionally. But they also have the need for authenticity. And what often happens, and this is what happened with me, is I became aware that my real self was not acceptable in my family. So uh, my family d- didn't do feelings. They found feelings very frightening and, and they shut them down very quickly. So I couldn't express my authentic self. So I buried it. So this sobriety is, is the journey back to oneself. It is back to one's authentic self. You know, and there's lots of different ways that, you know, I think in our family of origin, our, our authentic selves are, and, and our parents don't realize we're doing it. I, I, I saw how I did this with my son. My, my son was about three or four and he was doing show and tell at pre-K. And he picked up, like literally it was like a pit of plastic rubbish from some packaging. And he's like, I'm gonna take this. And I was like, don't, be, like, don't take that. Like, and I was like, oh, Nan, you know, his British grandmother had sent him this like toy airplane. Take the British, like you can talk about Nana and you could talk about, and he was like, no, I wanna take And I was getting more and more like, and then I had this minute of like, oh, I, I'm trying to impose my experience mm. on him. He wants to, and I swear to God, every week he would pick the most bizarre thing for show and tell. And I just let him because that was his authentic experience. So it, the, all these different ways our authentic experience gets chipped away at. And, and with, you know, and, and that for me is the biggest cause of alcohol abuse and drug abuse is this way that we chip away at our authentic selves so we don't recognize ourselves. And sobriety is the journey back to that. And we need, we c- it can only be found when vulnerability is there. I can really I relate it. to that. Yeah. I, uh, in the early part of the book, you made a statement that said, the more information you have and the more help you have the easier the experience will be. And, you know, and, and that's, for me, the reading the book and the, and the journal prompts gave me more information about myself. And just on a note, uh, the trauma section really hit me because, you know, I, and I'm sure that we all have our, our own story of whatever trauma might be. It was real for us. And uh, it, it hit me so much that, I went back to a person that is helping me. We call them sponsors in twelve step, and I said, "I really need to. I really need to redress this trauma because because it has it it has a residual impact on my actions today. And outside of drinking, I mean, you know, it didn't cause me to drink yesterday, but it, but it caused me to act different. And and I really appreciated you touching that, you know, that hot button." Yeah, and we know so much more about that now. I mean, when I was first training and doing this stuff, we we didn't even know as much as we do now. And it, it's just such a significant 
thing and that like in the book I, it's about the five pillars and one of the pillars is process and that's understanding how our past shows up in our present and and how our past has shaped and affected us and and how we can you know begin to shed this stuff how we can begin to leave some of this stuff behind or at least support ourselves through you know how, how it it shows up but i i think yeah tra trauma work is a really vital part of this process yeah. yeah and and you know as you talk about that you know talk about the trauma i look at back at my childhood and i was one of the ones with just a loving family no trauma <clears throat> But as you talk about that, and one of the things that as I've dug in the dirt, or as you say, get to the bone, you know, I was adopted, you know, and- Oh, that's a trauma. And, that's a trauma. And I realized, yeah. yeah. And, and you talk about attachment. Now, yeah. I told myself, as I found out I was adopted from an early, you know, as early as I could understand, and it was always a mind game to me. I always looked at it very positive and said, hey, you know, these people wanted me, they loved me, they took me in, boy, they yeah. love, and I love being adopted. But at the end of the day, what I what it took me years, in fact, recently to really fess up to, I was really hurt that somebody didn't want me. Mm. And and then when you talk about you know kind of reprogramming, you know, I was working with somebody, and they're like, you know, how you're acting today and, and, and your recent past from drinking and all that, that's not really who you are. Mm. And, and and she referred, she said, go back to who you were in third grade describe who you were in third grade and I listed all these great attributes and she goes that's kind of your your core that you can lean upon mm. you know and that really helped me yeah yeah and I, I mean I mean trauma without uh, adoption without a doubt is is a trauma it can't and it, it, even if you ended up in a family like yours that just you know that sounds like that was really the best outcome mm -hmm. you know you you really lucked out there um there's still that we know a lot more about infant attachment, even from when babies are in the womb. And, and, and there is, you know, there's no denying that. But it, I also think that it can be reconciled. Good stuff. It takes work. It takes work. Mm. So a couple of things I wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. You use an analogy in the book and uh, it's the squares, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's the place we are right now and and you know we're on we're on step one or square one right mm -hmm. and um it's, there's two things first of all i want to talk about that a little bit because we have a lot of we have a lot of listeners a lot of people join us here in the coffee shop who this they're early in the journey and the whole the whole i'm never going to drink for the rest of my life thing is overwhelming it, it still is for me you know, at this point, it's like, but I can't think it through today. I'm, but I'm where I am today. There's no better place, as you said in the book, to start than where you are right now. It, you know, talk to that person, Veronica, who's just starting out. Um, tell them, tell them what what direction they might go for step two, square two, square three. So. Um how I'd like to start that is I think often when people are in that kind of dark place where we've been where alcohol's no longer working but the idea of not drinking again feels like the worst thing ever um, and it's in the book about changing the that's just a perception it's not a reality it's about ask yourself this question we ask the wrong question 
and and this is a trick you know the the question like is my drinking bad enough because we can always find 50 people whose drinking is far worse than ours usually unless we are literally drinking around the clock and on the streets but we can always find someone who's drinking and then we're like oh it's not that bad so i'm okay it's the wrong question the question is is this life good enough for you right now is this good enough is this good enough and i think the answer is clearly it's not so that's square one is is this good enough for me no it's not good enough for you if you have children would this be good enough for your children absolutely not so it's square square one often we have to just be on square one and accept it and then square two would be here would be will appear and and then it's you know well what can i do about that what help is there available and there's tons of help available there's tons of stuff that's free that's low cost i mean there's lots and lots of options and it's so take a step forward into that what is there can i listen to podcasts can i buy a book is there an online program is there an in-person meeting is there a what is there and and to start there and and i always tell people just give yourself a year like it's not you know however old you are let's say you're 45 um let's hope you live till you're 90. you've still got 45 years of drinking ahead of you alcohol's not going anywhere so just give yourself a year to go through all of the things christmas july 4th birthdays summer all of that kind of stuff do join a community do get as much help as you can and if a year from now your life is not better or improved you can go back to how it was it's absolutely fine you can do that that. Mm -hmm. i love that and and by the way for our united states listeners when she said process that means process in chicago oh. uh, process I, I, I love it i love it oh. five um, pillars i always forget that when you yeah that process okay yeah. so let's uh <laughs> let's talk about how people can plug into veronica valley tell me all the different avenues and and how they can reach you online offline well, so I have a podcast called The Soberful Podcast that I, I do with my with Chip. He Summers used to be my boss. Um, he's about 36 years sober. Um, soberful.com is my website. And the book is available everywhere that you buy books. You can get them on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and bookstores. Um, and I have a Facebook, Facebook group that's free as well called The Soberful Facebook Group. A lot that's of value. In, yeah, there's a lot of value in that Facebook group. I've been on there for about two months now. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> a lot of connection. And okay. and on Instagram and, and right? Oh, yeah. Instagram is Veronica J. Valley. I've just started doing TikTok. I mean, I'm just trying to figure I've been reading my uh, book out and doing stuff. Yeah, I know. know. It's hey, like sometimes it's too much. TikTok, so. yeah. yeah, if you need something funny to do, Glenn and I are going to be. Should we, do, should we have a TikTok tab uh, on our, uh, on our no. website line? I don't, no, I, I don't think I'm ready for that. But speaking of our website, you can get uh, to Veronica's uh, social media links. We're going to post them on. They're posted already when you when you hear this uh, and a link to her book. Uh, let me just close by reading the words of Kate Bailey. And Kate Bailey wrote uh, a recommendation in the book, and I think she does a better job of summarizing it uh, than I do. And she simply says, Soberful is a great roadmap from a sober legend who knows who, who knows the pitfall and the joy of the sober path. 
which gently and expertly guides you through the transition of early sobriety to a place of happy and sustainable sobriety. This book is going to help so many people and embrace a sober life and full life. Um, she says the words eloquently. And, and, and then before we wrap up here, vegetarians, you know, Glenn tells me he's not going to eat meat today. And I think, well, giddy up, he's made a choice. Is that not where we want to see um, sobriety get? It's a life choice. It, it, it doesn't need to be a death sentence sobriety. It's a life choice to something that, as your book title says, is a sustainable and fulfilling life, right? Yeah, that's my hope. And that's what I want to do for my kids. You know, I want, um, I, I want us to be in a place where nobody, not drinking is a thing and nobody, you know, like if you were a vegetarian 40 years ago, people would look at you like, you know, okay, that's a bit like out there and you weren't catered for, like maybe you'd get an omelet somewhere if you were lucky. Now I can go anywhere and be gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free, vegan, nobody bats an eyelid and I'm catered pretty much everywhere. You know, you don't show up somewhere on a Friday night and go, I'm, I'm gluten-free, doesn't agree with me. And someone goes, well, go on, have a bread roll, have a bread roll, it's just Friday. <laughs> you know, nobody does that, right? Have a breadstick. Um, it'll make your Friday better. <laughs> so I want, whereas with alcohol, people are like, yeah, but you can just have one. Or go on, go on, it's, it's the weekend or whatever. So I want us to get to a place where being alcohol-free, and I think we can get there. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think we can get there is people get it that that it's nobody's missing out that it's a lifestyle choice it doesn't agree with a lot of people it's that that that's kind of i like to be obnoxious about this and i use this hashtag a lot we are having more fun than you are and it's oh. this whole kind of like don't think like i'm missing out on anything jeez like you're the ones who are missing out but please yeah, carry on that. carry on if you think that alcohol's bringing you everything you you want sobriety is bringing me everything I want and I don't pay the price that you pay so I think we can we can get there and that's a, I want to do that for my kids I love and everyone's it kids. I had more fun than you today by the way I love yeah. it I love it hey will you come back I'd love to thanks Veronica. thanks Veronica yeah I love the book it's a roadmap to joy is how I put it oh thank you you guys are so sweet <laughs> love it you guys have a great day we'll see you around the All coffee right. shop thanks Veronica thanks Mikey bye right, bye bye now Thanks for joining us for today's coffee chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.